So, hey there, listener. This is Do You Want to Make a Podcast? Yes, that is the name of the show. We just have a couple bullet points that we need to hit before we start. One, there's a fireplace. It's fake. I've ruined everything. <sighs> Wait, should we start over? <laughs> Take two. Hello, listener. You are you are listening to because you're a listener. Take three. <laughs> This is... Wait, we should establish, like, what we want to talk about. What are the bullet points we need to hit here? I I got it. I got it. Okay, so we tell them that the show is called Do You Want to Make a Podcast? It is a fireside chat between two best friends who are on the hunt to create the perfect podcast. They have a lot of ideas, and they can't decide what they want to talk about. Okay. That's pretty much it. That's it. We that's 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 the synopsis. Like, then we'll then we'll plug the do we social want to media. Do like social media. Yeah, stuff? yeah, yeah. So so we'll tell them to follow us at Do You Want to Pod, all spelled out. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also email us at Do You Want to Make a Podcast at Gmail dot com. That's it. That works for me. Wait, I think we just did it. We did it. That was my that was my plan all along. Oh, okay. Bye. Bye. Except hello, because now the show's starting. Yes, it is. Here we are. <laughs> Friends, we are, our, our good friend Jim Bloss is uh, not with us today, but we do have Mason Alexander Park joining us for the first time on the show. I have missed you, my friend. I have missed you too. It's been, it is, like you said, it's been way, way, way too long. Yes, you've been up to all sorts of wonderful things. Um, but before we get started, uh, we, we we have a little ritual on the show where we make sure that everyone's on the same page. I ask, Mason, do you want to make a podcast? I want to make a podcast, yeah. I'm into it. Okay, good. Because <laughs> if, if you weren't, we would just stop. <laughs> we would, yeah, that, that would be the end of it. Yeah, that, that would be that. The shortest episode ever. Um, so what we used to do... <laughs> In the before four time is uh, we would come up with like, oh, what kind of podcast do we want to make? And, you know, the world was our oyster and we had all these ideas. And now I'm just like, oh, it's so good to see my friend. (laughs) That's all that matters. (laughs) That's the perfect podcast. So (laughs) that's what we're here for today is just connection, man. Like what I know that structure is usually like helpful in these things, but I just want to hear like how you're doing, what you're up to, what do you want to talk about today? Uh, I'm I'm doing all right. It was, I mean, like for everyone, this has been very uh, up and down, you know, since the beginning. I like, it's, the year started off really strong. I was in the midst of doing um, a, a revival of I Am My Own Wife, which I don't know if you'd ever seen no. or, or read the play, but it's a, uh, it's a one person show that uh, basically it turned Jefferson Mays into a star. Um, It was like the reason why Jefferson, you know, won a Tony and and ended up becoming a a bit of a household theater name. And and a beautiful play where... um, an actor portrays like 42 different people. Um, and it's, it's based on real events, uh, about a, a trans woman in Germany named Charlotte von Malsdorf, who like lived through the Nazis and lived through, um, you know, the Stasi and ran a secret club in her basement and a museum. And like, she was a national treasure is like a very hotly debated person. Um, and uh, and the play is pretty remarkable, but we just we just updated you know some of the writing with with Doug who wrote it and and uh, to reflect like the way that we talk about trans people nowadays as opposed to um, you know in the '90s when it was written and they were throwing around words that like are not as appropriate anymore. Um, yeah, it was, but it was like an amazing experience and such a great kickoff to the year. And then, like, this kind of came in right at the tail end of of our first, you know, production of it, which was at the Long Wharf Theater in Connecticut. And I was sort of like, oh, my God, 
I wonder if this is going to have a ripple effect like throughout the rest of the year and sort of cancel anything yeah. that I had in the yeah. works. Yeah. Um, so as an artist, it was kind of like devastating in the beginning because it's hard enough as it is for us to like have any sense of security. And I finally, for the first time in a long time, had like a year mapped out where I was like, oh, okay, and I get these two months off and then I go and do this. Um, and that's so rare for me. I usually like, I know, you know, a couple of weeks before I start right, the thing. Right, and right, I'm like, oh right. my God, bread. Like I can, <laughs> I can feed my, my family and my goldfish. Um, <laughs> your goldfish? I wish I had a goldfish. I couldn't afford one. Uh, and so, so I was like just a little, a little devastated by the thought of what it would do creatively to people that were not even mm. nearly in as good of a position as I was. I was very fortunate to have sure. done anything, you know, before this happened. Um, so I've been grappling with that a lot and then things just like completely picked up and got a lot better as the year went on, just in terms of like remote work, in terms of doing, uh, things like this or, you know, like, uh, voice work and that sort of thing. Like I'm, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it. I mean, I won't talk about it just in case <laughs> I'm, I'm in a show <laughs> you, that's uh, I yes. do a voiceover on a TV series that, that is supposed to come out next, I guess next year. Wonderful. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's the only reason why I have this equipment right now. So I was like, I need these things for remote, you know, remote auditions yeah. and recording yeah, sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, dude, I'm, I'm so glad that things are, are looking better on your end. And let us know on the TV when you can talk about it. We'll be sure to, you know, put yes, it out there yeah, for all the I, uh, world to see. I, I will let you know, keep you in the loop. There's, there are two things that are going on that, yeah, I, can, I cannot, I'm not at liberty to talk about yet, but they're both TV projects that I'm very looking forward to doing. That's so. good, man. I'm excited. Leave them, to, leave them yeah. wanting more. They got to tune in. They got to, everyone needs to follow Mason on Instagram to hear more about Yes, this. please do. You'll see a lot of, a lot of stuff you don't want to see. <laughs> or you do. Who knows? Your feed has been very wonderful for me because like now my world is broken open even further yeah i i mean i think that's that's actually like so fundamental for all kinds of people because it sort of like shapes your understanding of things that are greater than you or also your understanding of yourself like if people hadn't done that if i didn't have access to certain information growing up like there are so many things i wouldn't know about myself um that like i thinking back, you know, remember specific shows or remember specific pieces of art or artists and things that like were kind of monumental in my development as a person. So it is kind of interesting, just the thought that like singularly, I do feel like a, a, a a creation, a byproduct of like all of these things that I've been given access to. Um, so I like to be that for other people because I know like what, how hard it was growing up, you know, when I was in high school and not really knowing anyone that was like me at all or used, you know, felt similarly or used the same vernacular. Um, and so it took me a long time to like create the language to talk about myself. So if I can like give anything you know through like the heinousness that is social media like i try to just give information that might help somebody understand themselves a little bit better or or people that they just fundamentally don't get to meet often you know in the same space um which is why i think it's so important for people to like to use social media for good for like the dissemination of information as opposed to just like you know Although it is really, it's also a great entertainment tool, which I love that like, it's something that I can go to that will help sometimes break up the, the uh, craziness of like, the news. Oh my God. I've, I've, so like, there's so much that you just said that I want to dive into. And like, so first the, the, the lowest hanging fruit there is the news. <laughs> so I yeah. find myself and feel free to tell me what you think about this. It's a, it's a hard balance to strike between staying informed and overloading yourself to the point where you're just doom scrolling. Yeah. So I like at this point will just hope that NPR gives me uh, in their up first podcast the 15 minutes that I need <laughs> to start my day. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of let it sit. Like I'll check 
you know, CNN once or twice, and then the next day I'll start it over again. But it's it's wonderful because I, I, I get the highlights, but at the same time, I feel like I'm not diving as deep as I can. So I, what's what's your what's your news regimen, your news hygiene regimen, Mason? I would love to hear that. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't have anything nearly as specific as yours. I like that yours is ritualized. Um, I think I might steal that from you. Please do. Um, because right now mine is chaotic. There are days where I will like avoid the internet purposefully because something has, you know, like happened and but I find that I am one of those people that like the second uh, something I care about or, you know, um, something that feels unjust is like being discussed. I then like fall into that rabbit hole of like reading everything. And it is in a, and it is very it's very much so like doom scrolling. It's it's this weird, you know, hole that I get sucked into where I'm just like reading awful things about about like myself or about you know like people that you know i feel like i'm of that community and all kinds of things and like it's so easy to get caught up in in both sides of like the narrative of the positive and the negative you know depending on which side of the fence that you're on for a lot of issues but yeah it's it's been weird it's like especially uh for me my twitter feed has been just based on like all the people that i follow and 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 friends and stuff Mm -hmm. and like it is been so clogged with jk rowling like transphobic stuff (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i i'm like i can't look away it's like one of those car wrecks you know where you're just like i know i shouldn't be reading this stuff because these people are like not right and this hurts my soul Mm. but at the same time i want to know like what do people in from this part of the world or from that thought process like what is actually going on in someone's head to make them Mm. Uh, think or say the things that they think that are so full of you know hatred like what information are certain people fed that kind of give them this platform where they're like oh well this has nothing to do with me because i'm not of this world um but i'm still i still have a very strong negative opinion about it and i'm gonna voice that on the internet (laughs) i've always it's like the audacity is shocking sometimes (laughs) i just don't talk about things that like don't uh, that I am not, um, if, if I'm going to talk about something negatively, it has to be of my experience or of my world. I don't, I just don't have the balls to like go out there and be like, oh, I'm going to now judge this person for X, Y, and Z. You know, if, if it's not oh, from directly yes. within my experience, it doesn't feel like it is. Then I have no authority in that unless it is like purely on paper, you know, like Nazis are bad. Right. <laughs> We can right. all say that and agree on it, hopefully, you know, and there, there are obviously people who, <laughs> who don't, but like there are fundamental things that I think like are easier to talk about. But yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it's interesting. So the news has definitely been very divisive of late um, and especially like the way people talk about it on social media. The, the lens, I'll, I'll call that the lens that you look at the news mm-hmm. through, the lens that you look through before posting on social media. Sounds wonderful. Where did you, is this just something that like you inherently felt out? Were you, were you doing some reading that led to this approach? Because I, 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 I'm going to steal some of that from you in turn. Honestly, uh, I, I, I think that it's just sort of like became, um, it's, it came out of like trial and error maybe, um, you know, when you're younger, I think that people are very quick to talk about things uh, openly that they don't necessarily understand. Um, and, and it's important to be able to have the freedom to do that. Like, I think it's important to be able to ask questions and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, just be inquisitive in general. But I, as I've gotten older, I, I treasure my voice in a way that I don't think I did when I was a little bit younger. And, um, and most people don't, you know, um, I know the importance of, of what you know words kind of mean to people reading things and people just kind of like taking information in so anytime i go to say something or talk about something on the internet um i i I try to make sure that i am at least fairly uh educated and in a place where i i think that privilege plays a, a huge part in the way that people talk about systems of oppression or talk about like the wrong and the rights in the world. And so I kind of have built this like marginalization um, 
ladder in my brain and I know where I sit on it in the ladder. So I feel fine to punch up. But, um, you know, I will never, ever do anything except for uplift the voices of those beneath me on that ladder, if that makes That's, sense. So as is, like, is you know, a non-binary. <laughs> this is, <laughs> yeah, this is like, I, I'm sure there are a million people who have said, you know, this better, who have that come up with like this be- system. That, that ladder metaphor, if that's, if that's original, I need a PDF, I need a graphic. I, that's great. <laughs> I'll, I'll punch something up for you. Yeah, I think, I, I, I don't know. It's been a good visual for me, like in terms of, you know, I, I know where there, there are caste systems in every single, um, you know, in every single system and in every single generation and, and a community. And as like a non-binary Latinx and like indigenous person, I know where I sit. Um, and I also know that I'm very white passing. And so that puts me higher up on the ladder. And I know that like, you know, my experience in life or where I come from socioeconomically also puts me in a different place in the ladder. So I try to like think about things in terms of well, where do I sit and um, how does that help those beneath and how does that, you know, allow me to challenge those above? Um, and so that's, yeah, I think that that sort of in my head kind of quickly runs through almost anything that I talk about. J.K. Rowling, I can talk about her because she will always be higher on the ladder. She is a white woman who is, you know, a billionaire at this point. Like, will will always be much higher on the ladder than someone like me. So I can I can challenge her views when it, when she's punching down uh, and talking about black trans women and talking about, you know, the rights that certain people should have or should not have when she comes from, you know, this complete massive mound of privilege. Um, and I know that she feels differently. Like, I know that she feels like she's lower on the ladder than some people, which she is, right. you know, like there are white men that are higher sure. than her. Sure. Um, and that's the system that she's fighting and why she's like kind of fighting both ways. But I don't think you can fight both directions. You know, I think you can only fight one direction and you're supposed to help everybody else that's, you know, behind you kind of join forces and, <laughs> and fight those up top. That's May, I'm not just buttering your bread. That is a wonderful visual. It's very helpful Thank for you. me. Thank you. I appreciate it. You can butter my bread anytime. Chiabata. Chiabata. Bread of choice. Uh, bread of choice. <laughs> <laughs> is butter good on chiabata? I, I feel like I haven't. I, I haven't experienced that to know. I don't know. I feel like if I was going into no a place that was, well, this is assuming I could walk into any place and order food, right? But if, like, it's assuming that was possible in a world where right. that's possible. In a magical if world. If I go into a yeah. place and I ask for butter on ciabatta bread, I just feel like I'll get some kind of stare from someone's like, butter? You mean ghee, right? You want ghee on the ciabatta. <laughs> <laughs> Not butter. No, no, no. Not butter. No, no, no. Never butter. <laughs> Okay, I'm glad that we solved this yes. then, because yeah, that would have kept me up at night. We almost we we almost crossed the line. <laughs> that that was the end of the podcast. That's that it. like almost was the last thing. You can cut this and then you can put that at the very very tail end. It's just gonna be <laughs> ghee. Oh, it's perfect. What else is out there other than ghee? Like what's like like what's gonna stop the millennial police from knocking at my door? Like, you know, because if I use butter, they're going to mm. they're going to knock at my door. They're, they yeah. may, they're not going to arrest me. They're just going to, like, stare at me for a while until I feel bad and give them my millennial card. But I know that ghee is safe. What else is safe? Is sun butter? But that's like peanut butter. Sun butter. Yeah, sun butter. I don't think I've had sun butter. It's tasty. It's like, okay. Sunflower seeds. <laughs> Take your word sunflower for it. seeds made yeah. into what tastes kind of like peanut butter. See, there is, um, I will say, I haven't used regular, like just normal margarine, like butter in a while because <laughs> Country Crock makes this weird plant butter yeah. that is actually phenomenal. Ooh. It tastes, to me at least, like real butter. Uh, yeah. Write that down. Go try it. It's kind, <laughs> it's kind of amazing. I was shocked. I, I Like my mom, um, 
who hates fake anything. Like、mm. she is very much so, just like normal、right. foods. You、right. know, cannot do almond milk and any or oat milk and that、right. kind of stuff that like I I'm obsessed with. And、uh, and I just noticed that like we didn't have any real butter in the house. That she's been using plant butter for a very long time. She's like, yeah, it's good for her. It's, it's it's fine. It tastes good. Yeah, she loves it. It is the only alternative that she's obsessed with. All the alt foods and stuff. Like I'm just so I'm so curious where I'm gonna be with my opinion on this in like 20 years, because like right now I'm,、oh, yeah. I'm in it. You know, oat milk. You know, not like I'm just so curious. I feel like people are still arguing about. Whether or not egg yolks are "quote unquote" good for you, like we're still like the 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 jury's still out, and I'm like, we have the ability to put people on the moon. Elon Musk can do it, and yet the jury's out、we're、on egg yolks. People, <laughs> what is going well, on? That is honestly, I've been thinking a lot about how、uh, hilarious and amazing science is recently. I've been like, there are so many things that seem. So simple that we still can't agree on. I I wonder if egg yolk will be like the flat Earth of <laughs> you know twenty seventy five. Like、yes. I, it's pretty amazing that there are people that debate things that seem like on paper to me so very simple, um and and they're incredibly complex. And I know that like we just need time to figure everything out. But like at the end of the day, we will never figure everything out. Like so there is new science all. The time, and they're constantly like realizing that they were wrong about. It's、mm-hmm. amazing. It, that is, you will、amazing. never run out of work. I, I don't want to detract from that. I just got an image of chickens looking at us as we debate this, and they're like, "You guys are. <laughs> this is what you're worried about." <laughs> yes, I don't think that detracted at all. I think that that just completely sent this home. That really like. <laughs> Knocked it out of the park. That was a beautiful visual. But Thank I, you. But, <laughs> but you're right about science always disproving itself. And there was this、um, recent interview I listened to with Carl Sagan's daughter, Sasha Sagan, and she talks、okay. about how wonderful, like it, how how wonderful it is that there's scientists out there being like, "This is what we know today. We may be、mm-hmm. totally wrong about that, but this is where we are now." And that their whole.、Um, I don't want to say vocation, but their whole their what they do in life is like admitting that they may be wrong and trying to prove it、yeah. wrong. And if they can't prove it wrong, like you know, that's the best that we got.、Um, you have to have immense humility,、um, and and like and charisma and intelligence to be able to do something that like it's kind of like artists, you know, almost like what we do. You know, we're constantly reevaluating what it is that we do and if it's of worth. Or of any any you know necessity whatsoever, and I think that like science has a, I mean, in a completely different wavelength. Not not to compare scientists to actors, but no, no,、um, we're, we're about to, I'm about to connect these. Finish your thought, and then I want to connect them. Please go. I, I really have. I didn't think this like, would come up, but I've been dying to talk about this on the show. So please, please keep going. And then, oh great, I'm so excited.、We'll、I'm so excited. But it is amazing. There are very few vocations in which like. Your your entire basis of of what you do is like so rooted in rejection and in rediscovery、mm. and in putting or if you're good at your job, trying to put your ego aside in order to service a better you know vision of something.、Yeah. And and that's why I got into the industry, you know, because I love the camaraderie of it. I love this idea that like. People with all of these different skill sets come together to create an experience that hopefully you know makes people better、yes. and makes people feel better.、Yes. Um, and and science is really interesting in in a similar way. Like both acting and science help us understand the world around us better. One's more of an emotional experience,、um, although science can be incredibly emotional. Um, but I think that that's like to me. If there was a connective tissue, like that would be where my brain went. But I'm very interested in what in, in what's bubbling、oh, underneath what's, your what's surface. What's bubbling in un, in、yeah. my mind right now is a bunch of、uh, unresearched theories, hopes, and yearnings. And this may be totally <laughs> false. So feel free. That's the name of your memoir. By what's the way. that? That should be the name of your memoir. Wh- oh, I forgot what I said. What is it? It's. I forgot what you said too, and so now we're, we're recording it. We're good. Something. <laughs> yeah, we can just check the、yeah. tape. So I 
haven't Googled this yet because I'm just lazy, but I want to <laughs> somehow prove that, well, well, it kind of has been proven, right? That art is medicine. Art therapy exists, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I want to measure whatever science vital signs will make this quantifiable to people who are not, you know, of the arts. So like people who like data, mm. like I want to show them like, hey, catharsis is a thing. And when you engage and when you experience catharsis, your blood pressure goes down this, like maybe your immune system goes, you know, like all, all like the stuff that we feel when we leave a theater. I want there mm. to be numbers and like <laughs> data to support that so that I can go to the healthcare companies and say, look, <laughs> cover theater as medicine i want my Mm. friends who are actors to be paid like healthcare workers i want there to be steady money coming in i want audience members who can afford it to be able to put a ticket to a broadway show on their insurance so that way they're not having to choose between paying hundreds of dollars to a ticket like how cool would it be mason for you to write off like going to a show like as a copay you pay 20 bucks Right, because you know That's what you're going wild. in for. Yeah, I realize there's a danger here because not everyone can afford health insurance, and we're still not in a world where health insurance is accessible for everyone. I'm just saying, like as an option, that would be really. I, what I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out a way to do, just me, nobody, Joe, in my own little bubble, <laughs> is trying to take the theater industry and move it under the healthcare industry so that there's money for it all the yeah. time. <laughs> Now I need you to check. I, I, I need you to that. call me out on what I'm about to say because I could be totally wrong. But I feel like a lot of, and I'm, I'm talking specifically about theater because I'm biased, right? Mm-hmm. But like I feel like theater is largely uh, funded as an industry by lots of aging old people who decide to bequeath large sums of money to the theater, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But my, I always go. Well, okay, let's think down the line. If those people stop giving their money or they all die off and the millennials who are rising up and just trying to pay off their student loans don't have extra money to give to the arts, ooh, that's not a future that I'm excited for. So I'm like, okay, for better or worse, the health industry makes a butt ton of money. Let's plug into that. How can we move, you know, regional theaters, Broadway Mm -hmm. theaters, you know, into that system? Your thoughts. Yeah, it's actually really, it's really interesting too to think of the amount of like um, money that that theater kind of gets to from donors that are healthcare specific. Mm. I, I like am now thinking back to every regional theater I've worked at and or, or gone to see something and like looking through the playbill and how many of the ads are like, you know, also mainly because the target demographic is an older generation of people who like need access to um to healthcare and uh and and that sort of thing but yeah i i'm constantly stressed about the future of an industry that is entirely dependent on generational wealth because okay. yeah. our yeah you know like our american theater at least is not funded in in the way that you know like i mean you know all of this but like even just looking at what's happening in london right now and the amount of money that's actually kind of being poured into a saving the west end and trying to help um theater out there even netflix is pouring money into their um into their economy right now. It's just so strange to me that like they, they have yet to set up some sort of a fund <laughs> for like Broadway. Um, but it's because of the way that we value um, American theater and it's, and it's not seen as a, as a necessary thing in the way that like in the, the culture is just completely different in London, you know, in the way that they value uh, the written word and they value plays, especially um and so i yeah i think that i think that we have to do massive restructuring to begin with so like why not think about all the various avenues in which it could work theater is a completely medicinal experience for many people um it is therapy i don't know i think that there are there are so many things to unpack there that um it could be interesting to see like what what like work in science needs to be done ahead of time to, to like check out the validity of that course of action. Cause it's kind of, I mean, it sounds nuts and it sounds awesome I, to me. Thank you. I'm so into it. 
I'm glad. Good, good. I'm going to hook you up to my catharsis machine, and I'm going to put you in front of your favorite <laughs> play. And then it's going to just give a... Just watch my vital sign. It's going to either give a happy face. But, oh, look, on the happy scale, Mason went from a one to a seven. Great. Okay, America. We now have funding for theater. Um, I am patient zero. I can't I wait. Think, oh, so oh yeah. Well, it's... I, I'm trying... Well, the hardest part, I think, would be is that the the blessing and curse of art that i this is like my tongue-in-cheek thing i say about art is that everybody's mm-hmm. right Where, you know in the audience mm-hmm. you know your experience is your experience if you thought something was awful you know you're right you thought it was awful if you thought it was the best thing ever great it's the best thing ever so it's not like if if we're trying to prove that art is medicine you know if everyone's going to react to a play a different way the data is going to be kind of all over the place which means that the only way this can work is if everyone goes to see Hamilton and has their vitals measured. <laughs> because it's the only thing we've all been able to agree on in the past four years. Full for plan. This is really I, just I, me I, trying I'm, to get a free I seat to see it. Hamilton. That's all this really is. Like, dear God, just somebody send Joe to fucking <laughs> Hamilton already, please. Which is a bit a bit unfair. I was I was blessed to have already. I, I saw it before uh, when it transferred to Broadway before it won the Tony. I was able to see it, so I just want oh. to see it again. Oh my God! Come on, OG. <laughs> That's awesome. That's it was, really cool. it was cool. And I felt well. And this is this is it is like i left feeling like i ran a mile like i ran several Mm -hmm. miles and that's no small statement because as someone who loves to exercise i know what it feels like to have gone through a you know to to me what is a serious workout and hamilton (laughs) worked me out i was like holy shit like i bet you i have endorphins running to my blood system i like i felt the health benefits Mm -hmm. that i did from exercise from leaving hamilton and I wish I had my That's my machine on my head because then I could have proved it, Mason. Yeah. <laughs> and then all our problems would have been solved. Everything. Everything. Every, world hunger, coronavirus, all of it would just have been start, solved. Just start, forgive student loans, That's, put money into the arts and make it affordable. And we're going to have a much better world. Hey, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, That's kind of, that is spectacular. I, I, what's interesting is I like recently also have been thinking a lot about the effects that being in a show mm, has on a person. And I don't think a lot of people, mm, even actors, like, I don't think we really sit and take stock beyond like the negative effects. I think everybody is aware <laughs> of like, oh my yes. God, I'm tired or, oh my God, my bones hurt or, yeah. oh, you know, like X, Y, and Z, my, I'm breaking out, like all of these things. Um, but like it is there are so many amazing things that i think that we take for granted or kind of forget sometimes in like the body doesn't know you're when you're playing pretend and i think a lot of people forget about that like the the body is not it is a genius piece of you know equipment but it does not know the brain cannot differentiate between us playing pretend and us doing you know an everyday thing so anything that you experience as an actor the body experiences it as if you were going through it our brains just trick us into thinking that we're we're not experiencing it because we're playing two different people because we know that we're pretending you know so we're like we are self-aware enough to be like oh, okay i'm not actually you know <laughs> hamilton but like the body has no fucking clue so you're out there like doing the whole yeah. play and you did that play um so you also get the negative and the positive like emotional effects and like we build this craft around being able to sort of like disassociate but almost how can and, like, you desensitize but if how you really did it, you know like, if you were is, really doing it if you're really doing the work if you're really doing the art that was real <laughs> that trauma if you're car- like yeah and 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 plays are not about people who have easy cool chills and lives right like these are people who were struggling Never, ever so if you have to put yeah. yourself through well that, how boring would it, that be it would i've i've written things and i'm like they're they're okay they're happy this isn't a story <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna want to watch this. Nope. Yeah. Next. So next how do, play. So to go further with that, like, okay, yeah. So the body, yeah. body experiences it. Let's, you know, I'm big on trauma these days because I've been loving years of therapy. It's been great. So like, the body may experience some some trauma, perhaps in addition to the mm-hmm. 
to the benefits, the elation, the euphoria of the connected theatrical experience. Do you think that it becomes part of the rehearsal process to like, where like, I don't, I'm just imagining like a circle of people. I don't think that's the answer, but you know, just like, is there a way to process what just happened? Like, is it, is it the cast sits down and we acknowledge mm-hmm. like, okay, this thing happened. We're not just going to break and go to Chipotle after rehearsing a very charged scene in something say from spring mm-hmm. awakening. Right. Like do, do we have, do we start adding roles onto the creative team where it's more or less a therapist who's there just to be like, okay, I'm here if you guys yeah. need me. This is a scene we're about to do with a capital S, like something like that. Like it's yeah. it's a leading question. That's what you sparked in my brain. I absolutely think that that um, well, you know, every industry like finds new roles and new niches, and I think that we are in a world in which like we're in a really interesting part of history where like politics. And and the politics of like human to human interaction and and understanding that everybody's going through their own individual experience is kind of allowing us to start to think about the safety of of people that are beyond like an everyday norm. I don't know if anything that I just said made sense, but, you know, like. I think a couple years ago, everyone had this idea of what like the normal everyday person was. Mm -hmm. And you sort of based the world around that person. And that person was a general, generally like a decently healthy, um, you know, well cared for uh, financially white man. I'm raising my hand. The world was kind of and my name is Joe. So this is perfect. (laughs) You know, like I, you know, like me equals normal, like middle class white dude. Yeah. Like, you know, cisgender heterosexual. Yeah. The white male experience. Yeah, like that is, that's the experience. And so the world's kind of built around, I feel like, uh, the, uh, just the, that being the, the natural setting and the comfort of that natural setting. And now I think we're discovering that actually the diagram, you know, like everyone's all over the place and that it's almost safer to kind of like think about all of the people that might be on all the other parts of that and sort of create a map that's like comforting to the whole group, right. to the collective. Yeah. Um, and I think theater as a collective experience, especially full of people from all kinds of backgrounds when you're doing it right, um, are like we are in need of new jobs that that allow that kind of support for folks that might have generational trauma mm-hmm. you know people of color that are working on certain mm-hmm. plays mm-hmm. should not only have access to you know like a to a therapist or to uh counseling when it's a play about about slavery or a play about x y and z they should have access to those things in just about any work setting because those those feelings and that generational trauma and all that stuff exists no matter what it doesn't matter what play you're doing um and so i i definitely now seeing like intimacy coordinators becoming a big thing i i'm really hoping that that will uh extend itself into into more job opportunities that are similar for licensed, you know, therapists and counselors to be able to have a place in a room like that. Because for me, I I didn't really realize how much I needed it until until this year. Doing I Am My Own Wife was a singularly very different experience than I think anything I've done in, in terms of like Long Wharf Theater is doing a lot of work to uh, not only catch up with the world, but also sort of try to be a couple steps ahead of it. Um, it's being led by, you know, an amazing artistic director of color. Uh, and they're they're doing everything that they possibly can think of at this moment in time to sort of like be that theater that is walking the walk. And so almost everybody on the creative team of the show about a trans woman was transgender, except for our director. You know, we had one cisgender person in that room for the most part. Um, we had a consultant whose job, you know, uh, as, a, as a trans person was to help facilitate those conversations between anyone who wasn't and anyone who was. She was there to support me and support kind of, you know, the needs of the group. Um, and then all that, you know, goes away when everybody leaves, you know, the play right. is up and running. And so you lose all that protective, mm. um, that, beautiful, yeah, like team, bubble yeah. almost that you have that team in rehearsal. Uh, and I found that my way around, like 
uh, finishing, like the finality almost of the, that experience was going to the talkbacks every single day. Their theater has uh, a history of doing like they do a talkback after every show with someone on yeah. staff. And then they'll do like a few, you know, here and there over the course of the run with an actor um, from the play. But because I was the only actor in the play and it's like two and a half hours of me just like talking to myself like a psychopath um, and playing a million different people and like sobbing, you know, like it's it was a, a daunting experience as an actor. Um, I think everyone expected me to then like go to my dressing room, take off all the clothes, like, you know, right. wipe, like wipe my tears away and then leave, you know, and they, they like the car would be waiting and it would be like time to go home. And I always had to ask if like the car could just sit for a little bit longer or if they could take, you know, someone else first and then come back for me because there was, I noticed a massive difference on days that I wasn't able to sit and listen to the audience and talk to them about what they saw and respond to questions um, versus days when I just like did my job and went home and you carry parts of it with you. And it's, um, I think that there is such an importance to to actually like taking stock of the experience, whether it's, you know, within a controlled group within your the actors and the company um, after a show, maybe, or even if it's just like a five minute check in. Like I, I just up until that moment had never realized how much I rely on that or, or will want to rely on that in the future. And I think that's why I've always loved talkbacks like I've my entire career I always will go and try to be at every single one that I can um, and in this case like you know interrupting every right. single one that right. I was not invited right. to right. Um, because it's it's an amazing opportunity like how often do you get to really now sit there as you and and hear what other people are thinking and how that experience has shaped them or what it's brought up for them. And you sort of be able to unpack what you just went through as well at the same time. Like it is very, it's a very important thing that I almost want a routine now into everything that I do in some sense. Um, but yeah, so that's that's a long-winded I answer. I love it. <laughs> I'm so glad you had those resources at Long Wharf. It sounds like they were taking good care of their people. Um, mm-hmm. I have nothing to really add because I have not had that experience. Um, but you, when you do, you will love it. I like I knowing you. I know that that is something that I think like a little light bulb will go off, and you'll be like, "Wow, this is uh, there is something medicinal about this that needs to be implemented on a on a much bigger you know level." Um, yeah, I think I think that there is power in routine and power in uh in taking stock of what what we have all collectively gone through um and uh and it helps you kind of move past it and move that's why therapy is so amazing like you know that's why all of those things are so important for mental health and for emotional health so why not treat actors with the exact same grace and humility that you do um you know any person going through an experience that is heightened um or traumatic because like we do it every single night yes, when you're in that yes. show over and over and over and over and over. It's, do you, I'm sure you've had this experience like having worked, you know, you, you know how the sausage gets made. So when you're watching a film and you're watching someone cry mm-hmm. when like you're when your friends next to you are like maybe perhaps they're they're not actors themselves and they're like experiencing it. And all and all I can think of is they don't have to do that eight shows a week and my friends yeah. are crying like oh that was so hard I was like it was but they only had to do it like once like it's not that they hard. really just needed one perfect <laughs> yeah i um i do find that i get very right? judgmental just watching sometimes. as the analytical <laughs> yeah scientist yeah but it's it's really nice too to think about like i always then try to think about that specific actor like what it is that they're up against and you know like all the different things that they've done in their life too as a performer because it's amazing to see how many of of us and especially like the people that we love the most as film and television actors are theater people like that that was where they came from and that's why the training and all of it is just like there and looks so beautiful and effortless because you can tell the difference between like a first time you know film and tv person like going through the ropes and and trying to master some hard emotional scene and and then you can think about you know like someone like helen murin who you know we know is is like the epitome of a trained theatrical voice like 
completely just killing it. And you know that she could have done it 20 takes and like it been phenomenal every single time because she she knows how to do that eight times a week and how to deliver that kind of an experience. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm always like, I've always been really snooty about film and TV and uh, uh, like at times, even though I, I've done my fair share of it and I'm going back to it, you know. Um, but like nothing beats the feeling too, like the ego trip of completing something really hard on stage and knowing that like it is sustainable for you. The moment that I, I am in a show and I feel like, oh, I'm consistently like okay at this moment or, oh, I can consistently like feel this and it feels real to me. Then I'm like, that that to me is is more impressive than me being able to do just about anything else. Like I get more excited at the emotional consistency of something or um, or how little I have to work to make sure that it's there. Because then that means that like I've done my homework and I'm connected to the thing and I'm believing what I'm saying or I'm paying attention to what I'm saying, um, which is not always true of every project that I do. Uh, you know, there are times where I'm like, I'm a dumb actor. <laughs> you can you can feel it. Like, you know, when you are just an absolute ass of an actor, like mm-hmm. doing nothing. Um, but it's really special. It's really special when you hit your stride in a project or with a character and you're like, wow, this is kind of almost effortless. And yet it feels so real and I'm like experiencing it anew every single time. But I know that like, it's still specific and still Mm -hmm. consistent. That's all you can ever dream of as a theater actor, for me at least. I know some people are probably like, that sounds horrible. No. I want it to be new every night, no, so drastically I love different. This. I can't wait to put the brain machine on you, Mason, as you're going through this. I'm like, I want to see what his brain, because what you're taught, what you're describing, I'm like, I'm just seeing a brain that like different areas are lighting up the same overnight. And I'm like, and what's going on? And what's it look like when Mason's just asleep? Like, I just want to compare what's going on in the mind. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course you know being the hippie i'm like and oh is this what it looks like when you're on psilocybin is this what it looks like when someone's on acid like i just or meditating like because what i think what, what i'm what i'm grasping at but, here is that um there's this it, I, I haven't done the research but i don't know if you know the name michael pollan uh he's he got uh famous not famous i mean he teaches at, at berkeley so he's he's known that way his okay. main writings were on uh dieting or not diet like proper you know nutrition but he recently did a book called how to change your Mm -hmm. mind where uh he started doing a lot of psychedelics um to just you know dive into that as you do you know as as you do on a tuesday and he talks about how there's an area of the brain called the default mode network that is turned off mm-hmm. when you take psilocybin, when you take magic mushrooms, which is the part of the brain that is thinking about itself and the part that's thinking about its thinking. And if I think back to, you know, our college experience, like that was always my, is my biggest struggle as an actor is like, Joe, we see you thinking about the scene. We see you thinking about the note you're trying to sing. Mm. My default mode network is going, is this good? Is this good? I'm thinking about Joe. And I think what you're describing is you reach a point where consistently this I have I have no training to I have no scientific experience to back this up. But I think what's happening is that Mason's default mode network is just getting used to turning off so that when you're in that scene, when you're singing that song, mm-hmm. you're just able to flow with this with this energy that would just look so cool on a graph that would look so cool. <laughs> it would look wonderful. <laughs> we'll make it I, happen. I think so. It, it, you have to give me something good to work with though, because I find that like, I think the, the material also is so dependent on that experience. Cause like, there are times where I'll be doing something and all I can think about is, is like, I am only mm-hmm. self-conscious. Like that part of my brain is the right. only thing working. And I'm like, this is terrible. I'm terrible. This whole thing is, you know, like, what do I sound like? What happening and i know that the work doesn't like i i've been in rooms with people where i know that that's my experience and they haven't been able to see that from the outside but that's because like as an actor you just learn how to like have two things Mm. going on at once where you're like there's the internal dialogue and then there's like my mouth is still saying things right like there are times where i completely forget that i'm like i'm thinking about so many other things and i completely forget what i'm doing but my body is still doing it somehow uh, it's really freaky how our brains are capable of of almost like compartmentalizing and multitasking in such a distinct way. 
Um, but yeah, the, it, it, when I'm doing the good work, it, that it, what you described is like what is happening. I, at least what I hope is happening in my head, where I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just like going through it and feeling it and, and experiencing it um, in a very yes. hippy dippy way. Like it would look. I think it would look it so would, cool as opposed to like the dead space that is oh normally. My God. Oh my God. Can you imagine like you finish your show and then the next day it's like, all right, now let's look at the brain imaging. <laughs> <laughs> what was going on you know That'd be just amazing. Like, it would just be fascinating oh i'm so yeah i'm, I'm here for it anytime you Great. need a anytime you i need will a, like, just elaborate. get on building that machine with all my list. know-how yeah <laughs> excellent i don't want to take up more of your time man i this has been this has been wonderful i thank you oh, this my is heart awesome. is so full i hope you're feeling good i know i am I, yeah, I, I'm, this was, hey, it's just like so great to talk about so many <laughs> random things, but you, I could, I could literally sit here and talk to you for hours about nothing and it would still somehow come out as something, which is like, it's, it is a gift. That is a good gift that, well, that thanks, you have buddy. that I'm, um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited to, to go back and listen to, to whatever Me too. madness, madness comes out of this. The medicinal madness. <laughs> Truly. Oh my God. Every, we talked about so many random things. People are people are just gonna be like, what the? Fuck? <laughs> well, if they've if they they've stick this? if they've stuck with the show this long, they they know what they're getting into. And we thank you for that, listener. They, yeah, thank you yeah. for sticking around, even if it's only just my mom. <laughs> hey, mom. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was so I was so fu- laughed so freaking hard uh, over the clip that you posted of Nick and Esco. Oh, the snacks with the snacks. That. Uh, is truly ridiculous and maybe the perfect uh, encapsulation of who I, he is as a person. So I just needed you to know you you did good <laughs> on uh, on that little trailer. Like that was that was the moment. You know, if you were to capture yes. someone's essence, that was the that was the essence. Awesome. <laughs> essence of Vanesco. Excellent. <laughs> That's his new Twitter handle. <laughs> we love you, Mr. Onesco. Oi. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for this. Thank, thank you. you for having me. I'm, My I'm friend. honored. And uh, kids, you can find Mason. We'll link to him and all the stuff. I said him. I messed up your pronouns. I suck. We will link to them in the, we will link oh, to them in the a, show notes. I, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, thank you very much. I um yeah, the pronouns are hard. I you know, like I just I just keep I, trying to catch myself I, when I when I fuck up. It's that's all you can do. And I think people it's hard because people want to be um patient and impatient at the same time when it comes to change like any kind of change but something like language is so ingrained in you as a kid that it takes a really long time to adjust your thinking on something so even though we use they them as neutral pronouns all the time anyway there still is like a mental adjustment to recognize that like you now if somebody if that is somebody's pronoun that like every time i mention that person that is where my brain needs to go um, as opposed to like, you know, the normal default. It's kind of a, it's, so it is amazing. I'm always like, I love watching people that are, that are adapting and like figuring it out. Like that is, that's all you could ever ask for. I do not expect anybody to like magically, oh my God, they're amazing at everything. Cause it took me so long to get good at pronouns. I like misgendered my friends and myself yeah. for the longest time, even as a non-binary well, thank person. you for, like, it doesn't go away. Thank you for being gentle with, <laughs> you know? my, with my slip up, with my flub. It, literally. We should keep that in there, kids, because no, it's important I to love you. talk through this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely it is a great it is a great way to just learn and like you know at, at catching yourself right uh, on yeah i'm i i, I love you i appreciate the love you very is mutual, dearly my friend and it seems such a waste of time